you'll note I did not look at my phone. My husband is home uh, caring for our toddler grandchild. I, I didn't dare check. <laughs> As I said in the prior class, um, I've been married 42 years. Um, I am uh, by trade an estate planning attorney, so I do trusts and wills and deal with families. Uh, we live in Utah now, and um, I deal with these topics a lot, okay? Um, and everybody's like, oh, you lecture on marriage. Yeah, because it was so hard. I have had to work so hard. He has had to work so hard. You know, I see this and it's like, yeah, let us know. And it's and as I said before, I'm a complete control freak. And that poor man <laughs> has the patience of Joe. <clears throat> but I've learned the hard way uh, through a lot of these things that I'm going to share with you today. So my, my marriage has been the guinea pig, my husband's been the guinea pig, and, and good luck. We're going to share with you some stuff today. Don't worry, my husband Steve has reviewed all of this. I've been talking about this for decades. He doesn't care, okay? He's cool with it. So please, you're like, oh, I can't believe she's saying that about her husband. Don't worry. He's, he's, he's cleared it all. I remember I was working on a book on this topic, and they took out all the bad parts about my husband, or, you know, less than stellar, and I said, excuse me, he's cleared this. We're both have stuff we're working on, okay? And it needed some balance. Uh, now, <laughs> I think marriage in today's world is one of the most important topics that we can be talking about. Why? Because of the proclamation on the family. The proclamation declares, we, the First Presidency of the Council of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, solemnly proclaim that marriage between man and woman is ordained of God and that the family is central to the Creator's plan for the eternal destiny of His children. This is it. He is creating heavenly mothers and heavenly fathers out of all of us. And our destiny is not to just go back and sit at the big buffet with our heavenly father. Our destiny is to go on as heavenly mothers and heavenly fathers and to create worlds without number. That part sounds cool and to have countless children. <laughs> the only way I think that's gonna work is if we take turns giving birth. I'll just put that out there. <laughs> now, I know that I can point to almost every woman here, and I would bet you reached a point in your marriage where you thought, man, I have got to change my husband or this will never work. He's so neat around the house, except his desk looks like a hurricane hit it. He puts ketchup on pot pie. Who in the right mind does that? That's my husband, I kid you not. He's sick and unnatural. He likes country music. I mean, like, a lot. Funny story, my youngest son fell in love when he was in kindergarten. And then he came home one day and he said, we broke up. I go, really? What happened? He said, she loved country music. It would have never worked. <laughs> My children were lay, uh, raised appropriately on Motown. I grew up in Detroit. I knew he liked sports, but this is ridiculous. Or, I thought he was devoted to the gospel. He's a return missionary, after all. 
And his idea of devotion and mine are vastly different. If I didn't do family home evening and come follow me and family prayer, it wouldn't get done. Isn't he supposed to be the patriarch? And I can point to almost every husband here. And I would bet you reached a point in your marriage where you said, Man, I wish my wife would change, or this will never work. She's so obsessively clean or messy. <laughs> it drives me crazy. She criticizes me in front of her friends or the kids, and it really hurts. Or when she finishes watching The Bachelor for the 100th season, I know she's looking at my pot belly and wondering where her Prince Charming went. Then we've got some scary ones. He's addicted to pornography. I catch him at the computer all the time and it makes me sick. I think she's addicted to painkillers. I'm not sure, but I think so. The kids are terrified of him. When his temper blows, we're all terrified. How can we live like this? Or I think she's attracted to her coworker. I don't want to accuse her if it's not true, but I'm worried. Anytime we enter into a relationship, we have to deal with the attributes and the behaviors of others that affect us, right? Some can be a pain, some can be very, very serious. And we spend a lot of our time wondering what we can do about it. So I'm going to say, first of all, if it is serious, go to your bishop. If your bishop is unhelpful, I just hit one is go the woman go to your state president go seek the, a blessing from them seek guidance and counsel from them i don't care how embarrassed you are go have the backbone to protect yourself and your children also please consider counseling even if they won't go please consider counseling find someone that will uphold the values and the standards of the church Okay, that's critical, right, in today's world. Go be counseling. Most of us just have little day-to-day -day irritants, so let's start with those, shall we? Let's get rid of the stupid stuff. All right, the toilet seat. I have four sons. Can you imagine my husband and my son saying, why does she always leave the toilet seat down? Doesn't she love us? I have to like lift it up every time. Don't you think that's selfish? <laughs> if you have these kinds of concerns, realize they are silly, small, stupid, and choose to let them slide. I will share with you the syndrome, grapefruit syndrome. I read many years ago, I read in the inside, what was then the inside, and this woman wrote this article about how she was fairly newly married, and she was reading a, a ladies magazine, and it had a little self-help art article. Danger, Will Robinson, danger! <laughs> oh, God, that joke is aging out. <laughs> That's just sad. Anyway, so instead, you should talk to your spouse about things that bother you. So she said to her husband, honey, this article says to have a good and happy marriage. We should talk about the things that are bugging us about each other. And he said, well, okay, I guess we're supposed to do that. You go first. And she said, well, the way you eat grapefruit is wrong. And he says, like, what? He said, how are you supposed to eat grapefruit? And she said, you peel it like an orange and eat it. That is wrong. 
I said, how are you supposed to? She said, you slice it, and then you slice out in the, each individual portion. And he goes, oh my gosh, I had no idea. He says, okay, I'll change that. And she said, okay, it's your turn. And this newlywed husband looked at his wife and said, I can't think of anything. I love everything about you. <laughs> so if you have stupid stuff in your marriage, it still bugs me that he puts ketchup on chicken pot pie. That is wrong. <laughs> but let them slide. Now sometimes we have shared things like toothpaste. You don't like the way she rolls her toothpaste? Buy another tube. <laughs> okay? Buy another one. It's okay. So if you have shared things that are bugging you, get your own, right? So my husband just installed the fancy dancy slides in our shades in our bedroom. And smart man, what did he do? He ordered a second remote. Hello, marital bliss. So yes, we play dueling remotes on the new shades. It's quite entertaining at night. I was attending a wedding once, and a general authority who is now deceased, who shall remain nameless, was saying, now that you're married, things are now joint. And so you need to put aside individual things, and like your bank account, have a joint bank account. And my mother-in-law is watching me because she knows I almost jumped up and said, what are you nuts? That almost killed my marriage. No, and I didn't. Myself. <laughs> Until afterward, I went up to the cupboard and said, <laughs> We have separate bank accounts. Okay? Separate bank accounts saved us. Saved us. All right? So sometimes when you find yourself obsessing over stupid little stuff, let it go. Let it go. <laughs> sometimes I do that in the house. My husband sees me saying, let it go, let it go. He's like, I'm not even going to ask. <laughs> Next one, understand complimentary gifts. Many, many moons ago, I was attending Education Week. I've been coming since I was about three. And this was taught by Vernell Christensen. He said, every family has all the spiritual gifts it needs to reach exaltation. I kind of chewed on that. Every education week, I get what I call the golden nugget. That one little tidbit that just is nags at me. And this was it that year. And I pondered it for many months. Every family has all the spiritual gifts it needs to reach exaltation. When I had been married about 20 years, we were driving up to a branch in our state in Southern California. And the Spirit said to me, do you trust your husband spiritually? And I responded as I always do to the Spirit. Say what? <laughs> and it was repeated. Do you trust your husband spiritually? It was an odd question. I immediately thought of a person that I knew who was a scriptorian. She was a fabulous scriptorian. She had determined that being a scriptorian equaled righteousness. And since her husband did not meet her level of being a scriptorian, she had decided that he was not righteous enough for her. She would go so far as to say to him, I am living faithfully, I will be reassigned in the year after. I kid you not. Okay. Now these people stayed married for 60 years. But I thought, oh my gosh. I'm doing the same thing. I have been married for 20 years. And I have not trusted my husband spiritually. Because for me, spiritual equals obedience. I had 
older wayward siblings, and I saw what disobedience did. And so from a very young age, I was very obedient. Very. It came easily to me. And so I was very obedient. My husband pauses, shall we say. <laughs> he thinks about it. He analyzes it. And then, praise be, most of the time, chooses to be obedient. But I'm like, they said to wear purple polka dots to sacrament. I'm in. <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm in. And he's like, why? <laughs> Just as that one woman had picked out one thing, I had done the same thing. So then the Spirit said, what are your husband's gifts? And I began to think, and I thought, he has integrity, honesty, love for his family. He is loyal, true. He is patient, obviously. <laughs> Very patient. He is temperate. I'm like, zing, 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 and he's rock steady, right? <laughs> he is kind. He is humble. He is rarely critical of others. He is a gift of the testimony of Jesus Christ. Clearly, his gifts were different from mine. What are my weaknesses? Oh, my word. There was a direct correlation. <laughs> I struggle with patience and temperance, and I'm occasionally critical of others. And humility is not one of my strong areas. <laughs> so do I trust him to use his strengths to get us exaltation? Yeah. Why? Because a banana can't help but be a banana. My husband cannot help but be who he is. Those are his strengths. He will use them because it is who he is. Same with me, right? Stay with me. My strengths lined up with his weaknesses. His strengths lined up with it was freaky to look at it and realize it. Do I trust him? Absolutely. Because together we had the gifts we needed to return together. I had been critical for 20 years because he did not have my gifts. But now I am so grateful because I cannot, try as I might, gain exaltation alone. I need his gifts and he needs mine. So do I trust us, our marriage, to make it spiritually? For the first time, I could answer that. Yes. Yes. I had really struggled for years with pride and criticism. He never did. He hardly has a problem with those. He struggles with other things that I don't have a problem with at all. But together we had those gifts that we needed to gain exaltation. And for the first time in 20 years, I understood and completely valued my husband. The Lord wants us to become one. So he says, hey, Marilyn, you use your strengths to help Stevie with his weaknesses. And Stevie, you help Marilyn with her weaknesses, because my word, she needs a lot of help, okay? Together, we will be one, together. Now, part of this is a maleness combined with a femaleness to a level we do not fully comprehend. We must stop demanding that they be like us. Trust me, you don't want that. You want complementary. You want complementary gifts. So when you're looking at your spouse, you're going to compare your roles 
the patriarchal blessings, the spiritual gifts, and then stop demanding that they be like you. All human beings, male and female, are created in the image of God. Each is a beloved spirit-centered daughter of heavenly parents. And as such, each has a divine nature and destiny. Gender is an essential characteristic of individual, pre-mortal, mortal, and eternal identity and purpose. May I pause for a moment? I'm very involved politically in pro-life and pro-family work. When you hear confusing messages today, repeat that sentence like a thousand times so you will not be deceived. So when we are looking at our spouses, we want to marry someone that will compliment us and compliment us. Elder Maxwell taught, brethren, marry someone who is your better in some respects, and sister do likewise, so that your eternal partnership is one of compensating competencies. Do we get that? Does that make sense now? Okay. Compensating competencies. Critical. That's huge. Next one, we're going to study the attributes of a spouse. This we talked about this briefly in our last session. You learn what works and what doesn't work. As I said, I just did not know how guys operated. I had older sisters, I had one brother. Uh, but I, there was a lot of learning, especially because I was raising boys, and I was like, what is up with boys? It was really a revelation to study how their brain works, how they think, how they act. We need to understand how their head works. You will learn what works and what doesn't work. I'll never forget, um, there was uh, Oprah. No, it wasn't Oprah. It was, uh, what's his name? Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil, I happened to be watching briefly one day for two minutes. And I was watching Dr. Phil years ago, and I'll never forget, the wife was really ticked at the husband, so she decided to keep it private and put it on national television. And she, she had lost a lot of weight, and he had not. And she was so irritated with him. And so I remember uh, saying, him, Dr. Phil saying to her, you know, so what are you doing? Well, I, you know, I told him to do this, and I told him this, and I only let him do this, and it was all force, 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 force. And I'll never forget. He turned to the guy and said, you're never going to lose weight, are you? He said, no way. And she kept, he kept asking her a great question. Is this working for you? Well, blah, 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 blah. And he would stop her and say, is this working for you? Well, you know, and she was so tied into that one method that it didn't work. You will get what you've created. When a person is confronted with power, they will react with flight. Okay? And you see marriages with flight. Okay? This is where one of the spouses or sometimes both of the spouses are gone all the time. Okay? They're volunteering here and there. They're working extra hours at work. They're traveling. They try to have flight to stay away from contentious situations as much as possible. Or they will fight. These are the contentious marriages, right? The fight, fight, bicker, fight, fight, fight. Or submit. Oh, I think submit's the first one. Just like, okay. And they just give up. We must be very, very careful. Men do not want criticism, controlling, this is from Tony Robbins, I love it, or closed wives, okay? I, I, I kind of excel in those things. In fact, I had it etched into an etched thing and put it right on my desk. <laughs> I really struggled with criticism. 
and I really stuck with being controlling, even after 42 years, my patient husband. Women do not want to feel unseen, not understood, or unsafe. Okay, so we need to learn the attributes of our spouse and men and women. What wives say, go to the store, lay down the mulch, wash and wax the car, get the kids to school, rest, uh, rent some videos and finish the rest of the dishes. What husband's here? Go lay
and allow them the time and space to fix it. And so when they say, aren't you going to do this? You say, oh no, I have faith in you. You're great. You're wonderful at that. I know that you can handle that. And step back and allow them the time and the space. Now it's going to be kind of weird because when you step back, that creates a difference in the equilibrium in the marriage. And they're going to be like, oh, what? He's not going to fix that? Oh, what? She's not going to change that? Let's face it. They know. They know what they're doing wrong. Do you know what you're doing wrong in your marriage? Do you know what you're doing wrong as a person? Yeah, we know, right? Most of the time, they know. But sometimes they are just resisting because you wanted it so badly. It's just human nature to resist that criticism. Human nature. President Hinckley taught, I issue a plea for husbands and wives to respect one another and live worthy of the respect of one another. And to cultivate the kind of respect that expresses itself, look at this, in kindness. Look at that word forbearance. What does forbearance mean? You don't say what you wanted to say, right? You hold back a little bit, okay? Patience, forgiveness, and true affection without official, oh, yeah, you say that officiousness or show of authority. So repeat after me, not my problem. Not my problem. Okay, so man, it's time and your spouse hasn't done uh, his ministering for three months and you're starting to get embarrassed and he's gonna go in for his little PPI meeting and you wanna make cookies so that he has to deliver them for, what do you say? Not, not my problem. problem, okay. When she's bounced that check for the 10th time, okay, and they're threatening to close her bank account. Brethren, what do you say? Not my problem. Pray it's not your problem. Right, okay. We need to allow them to own their own problems. Now you're freaking out. I feel it. Some of you are going, oh, I mean, that's Okay, let's continue on to communication skills. Shelby, I'm feeling the need for this. When we communicate with our spouses, when it is not our problem, you say, I have complete faith and confidence in you that you can handle this. I'm here to help you if you want, but you don't need to help you, but I have faith in you. You've done hard things before. I've seen you do this. Look how well you handle these children. I know you can learn how to handle your finances. You can do this. I believe you. You empower them and you don't say, let me fix it and own it. Do you see the difference? Huge difference. For those of you that are here that aren't married, uh, and those of you that are, that have children, this applies to kids as well, doesn't it? Instead of owning all of their problems all the time, step back, let them own it, and empower them. But what if it's impacting you? Wonderful book. In fact, you know the book that saved my marriage? Parent Effectiveness Training by Dr. Thomas Gordon. Old book. Saved my marriage. Absolutely saved it. And this is one of the things he taught was communication skills. So it's crucial that we learn to communicate effectively when their behavior is impacting us. That's why you came today. You read that title and went, oh yeah, this is impacting me. I'm, I'm hurt, I'm embarrassed, I'm scared, I'm whatever. I'm disgusted. I'm being impacted. That's why you came to this class or perhaps the person that you just read your. But we're all feeling that way. This applies not only in marriages, but everywhere. But let's talk about marriage. 
it's crucial that we learn how to communicate in a way that does not cause further problems. Here is the what we call the I message. I feel in certain emotion or feeling. I feel hurt. I feel abandoned. I feel disrespected. I feel whatever it is. When you and describe their behavior, whatever it is they're doing. Because, and then this is the hardest part for me, you have to tell how it impacts you. I feel when you, because. You're thinking, well, if they loved me, they would just know you are not married to a psychic. <laughs> so we must communicate how we feel. Now, let's do some practice work. I feel hurt when you don't call me from work because I feel lonely at home. All right? Some of us now feel, I feel overwhelmed when you stay and work from home all the time <laughs> because I don't get my me time anymore. It goes both ways. I feel frustrated when you spend all our money because there's not enough left to pay our bills. I feel disgusted when you look at pornography because we lose the spirit in our home. If you say, I feel embarrassed, it is often a secondary and is a signal to you that it's probably their problem. I feel embarrassed when you don't do your ministry because, because, oh, you're right, that doesn't impact me whatsoever, except for my pride. Okay, throw that one out. Let me try this again. If you are angry, I feel angry. Anger is typically a second emotion as well. So usually look at what's under it. I feel hurt. I feel abandoned. I feel terrified. Look at what's under the anger. Now, we can have fun with this. I feel, my husband and I just had a ball after we learned this in the class, marriage class. I feel like ripping your head off. When you eat that disgusting food. I mean, we just had a ball with this, don't we? Now remember, you should not say, so you should. Shields up. The minute you say, I feel da 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 da, so you should. Those shields go up, and they are so thick and so deep, the rest of what you're saying, have, have you seen, like, on TV, and they have a big shield up, and they're like, like can't hear you, man. Ain't coming in. So do not say, I, you should. Let them own it. Remember, they're going to own it. And we're going to focus on the I. They cannot argue with how you feel. Sometimes you have to repeat, I understand, but I feel disgusted when you talk, or, you know, I feel hurt when you talk about your old boyfriend all the time, okay, because it makes me worry about marriage. Keep focusing, keep repeating the I statement. Now, whether or not they choose to fix it will depend on where they are and where the marriage is. Keep it short. Don't blather on and on. Sometimes I would deliver an I statement, and I would turn around and walk away, and he'd be like, what, what? They're so used to the harangue that when they don't get it, they have to look at what you've said. Now, brothers and sisters, sometimes they realize, 
didn't know you felt that way. I didn't know you felt that way. And you verbalizing that and saying that puts it now out for discussion so that it can be dealt with. Whether or not they choose to fix it, though, will depend on them. Sometimes spouses will refuse. But not too often. Very, very rarely. All right, now, if there's only one thing you listen to today, this is it, so wake up your neighbor if they dozed off. <laughs> Years ago, 1976, to be precise, I was uh, attending, starting as a freshman at BYU. I happened to go into the Wilkinson Center. There was a huge class going on in the ballroom. I was here a week early. I had no idea what it was. I sat in the corner in the dark. And I was terribly homesick, terrible. The teacher proceeded to teach the act as if principle. I'll never forget it. If you act a certain way, over time people will interact with you as if that is your behavior and eventually it will become who you are. It changed my life. I went out of there sobbing, crying, went over to the Jesse Knight building, went to the bathroom. I go there every year to pay homage. And it changed my, I just went this morning, and it changed my life. The act as if principle. I began to pretend that I was confident. I had a marriage proposal in three days. <laughs> now, I'm going to teach you what the Spirit taught me later, many years later. I was blow drying my hair. I was getting a lot of inspiration when I blow drying my hair. I blow drying my hair, and I thought, I really would like my husband to act as if. How do I get him to act as if? The treat as if principle was downloaded into my head and has been a profound gift. If you will treat your spouse, as if he or she possesses a certain attribute. Over time, they will begin to act as if they possess that attribute. Eventually, that will become who they are. I thought, nah, that doesn't work. But I wrote it down, and I thought, I'm going to do an experiment. So I began treating my husband, we had four little boys, as if he were patient. I started pointing it out. Look how patient you were with Tanner. That was really great, honey. Later I said, I can't believe it. Man, you just are really hung in there with these four little boys. And you've been so patient in our marriage. And, and I just started talking it up, right? And treating him as if he was patient. An amazing thing happened after a week. I realized that man had the patience of Joe. I had not seen it. I had not realized it. But guess what? It increased because I kept treating him as if he was patient. He was even more patient. It was a miracle. It was awesome. <laughs> Part of the time you'll find out that's who they already are. But we must be relentless, absolutely relentless in treating them that way. What if we treated them at the level of their divine nature? What if every morning you looked at your spouse and you thought, she is a daughter of God. She is a valiant daughter of God that's been reserved for the last days. How would you treat her that day? Would you be going after her saying, can't believe you've let yourself go. These kids are driving me crazy. Would you treat her that way? Not in a million years. What if you looked at your husband every day and said, he is a son of God. He is the son of God. He is the patriarch in our home. When it's time for family prayer, would you take over and rule the roost? Would you do the razzle-dazzle show, otherwise known as the Come Follow Me Sunday School program? Or would you step back 
and to treat them at the level of their divine nature. It's odd how we go around wanting our spouses to be spiritual giants, but treat them as if they are not. Husbands, start noticing the lintels. When you treat that wife at the level of her divine nature, notice all the littles. Women do it in a remarkable number of, number of little things every day, don't we? We call it a moment. I'll call my husband over, look at this fridge. Is that thing a beauty? <laughs> <laughs> Start noticing the littles. If we treat our husbands as if they are lazy, irresponsible men, they will be. If we treat our wives like they are stupid, obsessive, or unkind, they will be. Now, agency is still in place. Agency is still there. But don't forget that their spirit is choice. Absolutely choice. It is remarkable what will happen if you put this into place in your home. Now, sometimes your spouse will not change. But you will change, won't you? If you are treating your wife at the level of her divine nature, will you change? And how will you feel about yourself all day? Differently, won't you? Start looking at those children that are a little more challenging. We all have them nowadays. Treat them at the level of their divine nature. Next, faith, hope, and charity. This is Moroni's great advice for spouses. Faith. We are to have faith in their spouse. If you have faith in your spouse, how do you talk to them? I have faith in you. Has your spouse ever said that to you? How would you feel? I have faith in them. Act as if you have faith in them. Hope. Hold on to every hope that is in your marriage. Hope for a great marriage. Hope for a future for your marriage. And then charity. Treat your spouse with the love of Christ. It's very interesting. When we go to the temple, we are taught what our divine nature is, right? Through the entire temple. I just got training last year as a temple worker. Over and over, we were taught to treat them as kings and queens, as these wonderful and so when you're going to the temple, you are being treated at the level of your divine nature. Are you not? How do you feel when you walk out of there? What if your home felt like that? What if we had faith, hope, and charity and this treatment of divine nature in our home? Would that not change the tenor of your marriage and, your, and the way your home feels? And then we're going to give it time and prayer. I mentioned in the previous class. I've just come off of uh, wrapping up five months of my youngest son getting a divorce. Uh, some serious mental health issues were involved, and it was very, very, very difficult. And I now have the care of a toddler grandchild for much time. And then uh, another friend in our ward just got divorced after over 30 years of marriage. I know that there are some tough things going on out there. And I know that some of us are giving time and prayer for years. 
And I am not one to say that no one must ever get divorced. I do not say that. Sometimes there is that situation. But for many, many marriages, if we give it the time and prayer that it needs and, and hang in there and work things through and keep doing these things that we've talked about today, things can and will change. Now look at the remaining issues. Pick the ones that aren't that big a deal or the ones that you'll give your spouse some time to work on and put them on the shelf. I know this is weird advice. If this still bothers me in five years, I'll address the issue then. I remember when we'd been married about three, four years, and it was rough. My husband, come to find out, I didn't realize at the time, was in a little depression. He had switched jobs, it was bad. I said, honey, we need, you know, things back. We need to go to a therapist. My husband doesn't love the profession, no offense, so sorry, but he said, I'm not going. And I thought, fine, I'm going. So I went into the therapist, and I went through the litany of all the problems in my marriage. And he leans back in his chair and he says, first of all, your husband is clinically depressed. And I went, yeah, that explains it. I have been taking everything so personally. And I went, oh, yeah, I see that. And then he said something that bugged the spit out of me. He said, do you expect your husband to meet all of your emotional needs? I've been married three or four years. I went, yeah. He said, really? And I thought, no. No. And that led me on a path of going back to law school, to finish law school, developing good friendships, having those fun field trips, and giving my marriage time. I remember my brother-in-law, we were sitting in the car out in front of uh, Target, and he said, Marilyn, I know you guys are struggling. He said, I'm here to tell you, after 10 years, it gets a lot better. And I thought, and I said, I don't think I can last 10 years. <laughs> and he said, you have made eternal covenants. Can you try? And I thought, okay, I'll try. And so I took a few things that were bothering me, and I put them on the shelf. And I said, Heavenly Father, I'm handing these back to you, and I will revisit them. But for now, I'm going to just have patience. I'm going to love my husband dearly. I'm going to continue to work on marriage as hard as I know how, but I'm going to get this time. Funny thing happened. Guess what happened? Pull off the shelf. Oh no, we look at it. Oh no, that was dumb. Oh no, he's not like that after all. Oh yeah, no, that's not that big a deal. <laughs> Oh, two are left. Ah, put them back on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> Often they dissipate. We get used to it. Or frankly, we don't really care. <laughs> We've moved on. Remember, we have an eternity to work this out. We have an eternity to work this out. <clears throat> Wendy Watson Nelson now, I had to add her last name, because she wrote this before she was married. She wrote, and perhaps there are times when the most effectual prayer of each spouse needs to be, please help me to see this situation from my spouse's point of view. 
eyes that see through a lens of love can see so much more clearly. In closing, may I bear my testimony. I have a testimony of marriage. I have a testimony that it is a pattern of eternity. It is an eternal pattern, not just of Heavenly Father, but of all eternity. Each of us, as we work and struggle and strive, are building marriages where we will become heavenly mothers and heavenly fathers. In fact, we'll do a little in worship. Everybody close your eyes for a moment. Close your eyes. I'm not going to put anything up. You're not going to see I want you to think of yourself far in the future when you are a heavenly father or a heavenly mother. Think of yourself, picture yourself as a heavenly father and a heavenly mother. What is your home like? Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's filled with things you have created and that others have created for you. It's filled with peace and music and light and color and joy. Think of what your marriage is like. You have achieved a oneness that you never dreamed was possible. You are working together in a marriage that is united and filled with love and respect and goodness and kindness. Think about your family. You have a lot of children. And you love them all. And you know them all. And you are working diligently together as a heavenly father and a heavenly mother. You are working together to help every single one of those beloved children to work their way along the path that you did to become like you. Think about your work. You are creating worlds without number. You are creating worlds with mountains and rivers. <coughs> plants and animals of all kinds. You are working with your children so that they can help each other. I want you to think about sitting on the world, looking out at the vastness of eternity. This is your destiny. This is what heaven wants you to be and wants you to try to convince you otherwise. Do not listen to him. Every time you feel Satan trying to go after you and attack your marriage, you just say, I am a heavenly spouse. Thank you. Open your eyes. Brothers and sisters, I hope that you will keep that vision of your marriage in your heart, in your soul. I pray that each of you will make the effort to get that. Leave that with you,